When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Road trip. Nothing personal word of the day. Road trip. Welcome to a mailbag episode, but road trips are on my mind. I may be on one. Yeah, but I want to talk about them too. Thank you for all of what you do for nothing personal. Absolutely appreciate your loyalty, all of your time. It staggers me. It humbles me the number of hours you give to me and to Coca. In return, we like to answer as many questions as we can. Get it, David P. Sampson on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, wherever else you can find us. We're there. We try to respond. Can't always, but yes, we do try, believe me. To the detriment of Coca's sleep. Let's get into it. Good question today about a road trip. There's nothing like a good road trip in baseball. Before I even get to the question, do you want to talk just about road trips? Well, your question, could you tell us how the clubhouse staff gets everything together for a road trip? What it takes to pack everything up in the middle of a road trip to go on to the next city? Brian, I love where your head's at. It's the most interesting thing that no one thinks about. I, for one, go to a restaurant. I'm not all that interested in knowing what goes on in the kitchen. I just wanna know that when the food comes out, there weren't roaches on the lines, there weren't dead flies in the soup, there weren't razor blades in the quiche. Other than that, have at it. When I go to a movie, I wanna watch the movie. I wanna believe the movie's real. I wanna believe the movie's shot sequentially. I want to believe the characters are real. And when the movie's over, I say, I'll see you later. I want to see you again. I feel that. Hate movies that end with the end. But it's not the end. It's the end of me seeing what they're doing that particular day. It sure as heck isn't the end. Baseball road trips belong in that category. So many things in baseball belong in that category. The things that I've seen that it's, I'm happy to talk about a nothing personal. And I do talk about them on nothing personal. Is it too much? That's a question I would have, Matt. Do we peel the curtain back too much? And people are saying, oh my God, that's how you make sausage? I don't think I want to engage in sausage eating any longer. I don't want to rob you of your fandom. I want you to see behind the curtain because there's some cool things that happen. My governor on what's cool about my job is what I thought was cool about my job. There were plenty of things that were uncool about it that you think 
or thought were cool. And I'm more than happy to talk about those, which I have. The meetings, the work, the grind, the job. It's a job. That's why I call it a job. The clubhouse is a sanctum of calmness. It is a place where players say it's their home away from home. As management, we try to make it as comfortable as possible. There's couches, lounge chairs, but I don't want them to realize or think that it's pleasure. They're there to work. Baseball's their job. You're not shocked when people don't love baseball who play baseball, are you? It's their job. Is that too much? Is that how the sausage is made? When you find out the players don't like baseball? It's the same number of players don't like baseball as guys, girls who don't like their jobs. So in the clubhouse, we want comfort, but not extravagance or elegance. In the training room, we want functionality, but not comfort. Training rooms are designed for players to not be in them. We don't want you in the training room. We want you on the field. We will take care of whatever's wrong with you, but don't open a newspaper in here. The clubhouse is run by someone, in our case, John Silverman, both in Montreal and Florida. His job is to run that entire business. The clubhouse is a big business. The clubhouse is responsible not just to house 25 or 26 guys, take care of them, feed them, clothe them. The clubhouse is responsible for all the baseballs during the course of a game, all the baseballs for BP, all the coaches, the manager. The clubhouse is responsible for the trainers, the training room. The clubhouse is responsible for the gym, the video room, all the different things that are in your clubhouse are run by one individual who's the CEO of the clubhouse. You can title them whatever you want. One of the things the clubhouse does in addition to storing baseballs and going around and cleaning jock straps, is the clubhouse has to be ready like a damn mash unit. I love the fact that you know I love mash. I love the fact that I can say buffalo chips. And you'll know exactly what I mean. Or horse hockey. And I can tell you how much I love Alan Alda as Hawkeye Pierce. And as Alan Alda. But what a MASH unit is, mobile, army, surgical, hospital. I think. I should have asked you that, Coco, before the show. We can edit that out if that's wrong, because I cannot accept that being wrong. Mobile, army, surgical, hospital is what I think MASH stands for. If I'm wrong, tell me, because I'm actually stopping this show. My favorite show in the world, and I don't know what the hell the acronym stands for. It's a damn outrage. The reason why it's a mass unit is M for mobile, which means they have to be on the move. Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. Isn't that what I said? I hope I said that exactly as it is. 
They got to be ready to move the drop of a dime. Clubhouses have to do the same thing. We are scheduled to go on road trips on certain days. The traveling secretary is responsible for team travel. The traveling secretary will give to the clubhouse manager exactly what days during the season the team will be going on a road trip. And then on the road trip, what the itinerary is on that road trip. They are numbered. You have 13 road trips per season average. That's generally the right number. You get an email or before emails, you got a piece of paper. Itinerary road trip number one, New York, Atlanta. Two game, two city road trip. Underneath the itinerary, it's a regular itinerary. You have the day of travel. Let's pretend it's a Friday. It's never a Friday. That was absolutely silly. Let's pretend it's a Thursday. There's a game Thursday. So the first day that I turn it would say Thursday, February 26th. That's another stupid one. Am I okay? Hold on. Hi, my name is David. All right, I'm clear. There are no games in February. Oh, yes, there are. There are itineraries for road trips and spring training. Oh, no, games haven't started. Oh, yes, they have. I'm getting a little loopy. Let's start that again. Four, eight, nine. The itinerary gives you the day, Thursday, August 22nd. Marlins versus Cubs. It gives the time of the game, 7.05 p.m., Marlins versus Cubs. 10.30 p.m., first bus to airport. 10.45 p.m., second bus to airport. The flight information, we use Delta. Delta flight 1669, and you can track these flights if you know what their flight numbers are. Andy Slater always is good at that. Takeoff, landing, then the information on the hotel, check in to the hotel in Chicago, the Drake Hotel. That's day one. Next day, Friday, August 23rd. 2 p.m., first bus to ballpark. 3 p.m., second bus to ballpark. 7 p.m., first pitch. Give the weather, forecast, go day by day by day. The final day in each city, the players and staff are reminded to pay their incidental charges in big bold because they don't use a credit card when they get to a city. When you actually land in a city, your keys are waiting for you with your name on it on a table that's specially put out there by the hotel for the arriving team. You get your key, you go to your room, they bring you your luggage, you go out, you wake up, you go to the ballpark, you play, you go back to the hotel, you go upstairs, you go out, you go to bed, you wake up, go to a game, play the game. The Okay, I got to fly today. But the clubbies do not get the benefit of that. Travel days for them, those are the work days. There are different types of suitcases and trunks. There is an entire trunk just for the hats of the players. And on days that are called getaway days when the team is traveling to another city, as players walk off the field, either in jubilation, apathy, or despondency, 
There's a clubby sitting there with the big trunk hat off in the trunk. One, two, three, four, every team hat trunk. Close it. Have it wheeled out by the moving company. There are movers who come the day you are moving from city to city or home to the road or road to another road city. There are moving companies that you've contracted with prior to the season who know the exact day and time they need to be at the stadium, who have gotten pre-approved, pre-cleared, and are there waiting for the trunks. Uniforms. There are trunks for the uniforms. Little known fact here, Normie. When you're on a road trip, you travel from city to city with soiled, disgusting, dirty uniforms. Because after a game in a city, you do not have time to wash the uniforms post-game. You've got to get on the plane to get to the next city. So all the uniforms get put in a trunk filthy. And when the team plane lands, the clubhouse manager gets off the plane. Sometimes we even stop the plane. Not always. Sometimes we put the steps down, but not always. The equipment manager, clubhouse manager, gets off the bus, off the plane, into an equipment truck where the equipment from the plane is taken out of the luggage hole down below. They go right to the ballpark of the new city and they start doing laundry and setting up the clubhouse for the next day when the players will come. They don't get to rest. What do they bring with them? Everything you can think of. It's like packing for the biggest trip of your life where you don't know what's going to happen. Are we going to trade players, bring empty uniforms? Are we going to acquire players? Make sure you got every size. Make sure you have every number. You got to bring separate numbers. If we trade for a player who wears number 69, you better have a six better of a nine and we're going to put it on the uniform in the visiting clubhouse get the name on there and get the guys locker ready extra equipment gloves bats tape rosin sunscreen anything you can think of that you need in a trunk then every player has a suitcase with their number on it, a piece of luggage, a luggage tag with their number on it. Why? You don't want to do names. God, I wish we could get the luggage back when we trade or release a player. It's a sunk cost. You buy a suitcase, every player gets a suitcase, and it's yours, you get to keep it. Players pack in that suitcase, always in a Marlins branded suitcase, always with the luggage tag that has the number on it. Why? Because the bellman at the hotel where you stay on the road has the list of player numbers only associated with the room. 41, room 1769. Bellman bring up the bag, number 41 to 1769. It's an entire system. Fascinating. We haven't even gotten to the training staff who carry their own lockers. They give them to the club. He puts them on the plane. But then they've got to go to the clubhouse and they set up their visiting training room everywhere they go. 
and they carry a lot of stuff because you never know what you're going to need. Band-Aids, blister protection, sunscreen, windscreen, lip gloss. Right here. People need lip gloss. Very sunny and very chapped. Gauze, tape, scissors. It's insane. When these trainers, like, are taking care of players, they have everything. They put in the budget. Every year we have a budget come across my desk. All right, we got to refill the gauze pads. It's unreal, actually. The amount of stuff you go through. The amount of stuff that's inside a major league training room, a, a major league training room, would knock your socks off. So the clubbies get together the uniforms. They got the hats. The players are responsible to pack up their own personal effects. Personal effects are when the players are done with the game and they're going on the road, they get dressed back into their clothes. They pack their carry-on because players get onto a plane with a carry-on, a purse, a bag. But the things that are left behind, their glove as an example, their sunglasses, their cleats, there are duffel bags in front of every locker. The duffel bags have the number of the player. Inside the duffel bag go the player's personal effects. Those duffel bags get on the plane, off the plane, to the new clubhouse, and put in the locker where that player is going to be. So when the player arrives at the new stadium, wherever they're going, in the new city, they look up at the locker plate and say, oh, I'm number 41, I'm here. And you walk there, and sure as night following day, they look in their locker and say, that's my glove. Those are my sunglasses. Hell yeah. Thanks for the shower shoes. It is a system that would make someone with OCD proud. There's a checklist that you go through. You can't forget something. So I guess the question is, has anyone ever forgotten something? What could it be? The Marlins had alternate uniforms. We had our orange road uniforms. We had gray uniforms. We had black uniforms. There was a road trip where only one set of road uniforms was brought, not two, and I wanted a second one. Did not have it FedEx. We just lived with only one set and wore the same uniform every night on the road for that particular road trip. They didn't want to add it to the plane. They didn't want to carry it. There wasn't room, whatever the reason is. But there's never been a road trip where they forget the uniforms where they forget the hats, where they forget the equipment, the gloves, the suitcases, none of it, ever. 100% guaranteed at least 96% of the time. Because clubbies have lists and it becomes like the checklist when you've been a pilot for 25 years. Flaps down, HVAC on, pressurized cabin in, and they're going through the checklist and they're pointing. You want your pilots to do it in a real manner because it's your life. The clubbies, they go through the same checklist so many times that they don't need to mark it down anywhere that they've done it. They just know they've got it done. We never have lost luggage. We've never had to have something flown to a city in 18 years. Never once had to have that happen. Not necessary. 
Brian, you asked me whether or not we'd have to play games without socks if they forgot socks. No, you go over to the visiting side, from the visiting side to the home side and get a bunch of socks. But it's never happened. It would never happen. Ever. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right. Hello, David. Question. How often do superstars get sent down to the minors for rehab? And what's the experience or process like? Well, that is a great question. Let's talk about that. We've talked about that a bunch on Nothing Personal, Coca. We talked about Alec Manoa, who was sent down, not really on rehab. He was sent down to try to fix himself. We know players get sent down on rehab plenty. Chris Sale is a prime example. Any pitcher who gets hurt, position player, if they miss a certain amount of time, that was always a very important threshold for me as a team president. How long can a player miss before that player needs to go out on rehab? Going, quote unquote, out on rehab is the expression I use for any player who needs any sort of minor league at-bats or innings pitched before that player can be on the big league roster again. That's all I care about. I actually don't care what team, where the rehab is. Though I'm very, very aware that our minor league teams, every one of them, when you've got a superstar who's hurt, they want that superstar to go to that city for a rehab game. Imagine Stanton getting hurt and going to Trenton, New Jersey to play a rehab game. Trenton gets to sell tickets when John Carlos Stanton's going to be on rehab. Amazing. 
That's value added. That mattered to me zero. We owned no minor league teams. We owned the Jupiter Hammerheads, our low A team, but not even worth talking about. I don't mean Jupiter's not worth talking about. I mean owning the team and it's worth not worth talking about. Although I may have told Jeter that it was like a $8 million team. <laughs> That's funny, actually. I don't think he believes me because he knows what high A is. Anyway, rehab location doesn't matter to me. For baseball people, they choose the rehab location for a player once the decision has been made that they have to go on rehab. That one I'm involved in. I want to hear from the baseball people. How many at-bats does he need and why? Why can't we have the rehab starts happen at the big league level? He only wants to go three innings. You want to do that? Fine. I'd rather get three innings out of him at the big league level than three innings at double A and then wait five days and go six innings at double A. Screw that. Give me three innings at the big league level. We won't tax our bullpen. We'll send a guy out. Let's see what the quality is of this player. Let's see if he's better. Rehab locations are based on location. Location of where your team is playing at the time of the rehab assignment. Based on how fast you expect the rehab assignment to be. Before rehab assignments start, the player is told, we are hoping this is a two to three game rehab. We are hoping you will have two starts in rehab. We communicate with the player because we want the player to understand, here's the plan, here's what we plan on doing. Don't make us change the plan. Don't screw it up by either being ineffective, which we don't really pay attention to, or getting hurt, which we pay a lot of attention to. Because once you call up a player and they're back on your active roster, that has significance. Because if they get hurt again, they have to be sent down again. There's a minimum for which they have to be sent down. It's just a giant pain in the ass to do a roster move to bring a player up who's not ready to go. Or worse, a player is ready to go but stinks because they needed a few more at-bats or a few more innings pitched. And I never believe that. No one needs that. Give me a break. So... We would look at the player, look at the location of the team, our team and the rehab minor league team. We would not look at the level or the level of competition. A rehab start against a single A team is the same as a rehab start against a triple A team. We're not looking for him to strike out 20 people. We're not looking for him to not give up runs. We're looking for him to get innings in. Not Alec Manoa style. I don't remember that when he had a, quote-unquote rehab start, he gave up like 11 runs or 12 runs or something absurd, which was not ideal. We're also looking for acquiescence from the player about what the rehab plan is. People don't talk about that enough. Players have to buy into what you're doing both in their treatment and in their recovery. Because if they don't, guess what happens? They don't come back right. And then you're really screwed. Dealing with superstars is quite different than dealing with young players. With a superstar, when they're going on rehab, they know that it's going to be a thing. 
They know they're going to have to buy dinner for every player. They know they're going to be requests for them to do media and various other things. We make sure there's PR people with that player, making sure they're aware. The local PR people for the team where we're sending our player, our own PR team. It's like bringing Mick Jagger into a small town or how about Russell Hammond into a house party in the middle of the farmland and saying, I am a God and I'm on drugs. A superstar on rehab is out of place. You need to make them feel like they are in place. They're not staying at the regular team hotel of a double A team when the double A team's on the road. You are doing things to ensure that this player understands that A, he's a big league player, and B, what his job is. Don't really do that as much for the younger guys. I'm so sorry to say that. So that's rehab. It's quite a process. You're asking me about process? Were we doing the rehab question? Coca, could you tell me where we are, please? We are doing the rehab question. I think I just went into rehab. I think I'm gonna go on to the next question. If that works for you. Hi, David. Hello. How does a team decide to release or trade a player when they're responsible for part or all of that player's salary? Thank you for all of your wisdom and experience. No, no, thank you. That is a triggering question. No wonder I chose this question. I really like it. How do I decide to release or trade a player when I am responsible for part of all of that player's salary? Let me bring you back. For this one, we got to go back. Matt, we got to go way, way, way back. Back to when I first, first got into baseball in the early 2000s. Back then, I believed that there was no investment at all in human capital that could be wasted. If we signed a guy, we are going to keep running him out there, keep playing him because we still have to pay him. That player has to be on the field because he's part of our payroll. I didn't understand the concept of wasted money. Our first GM, Jim Beatty. Second GM, Larry Bonfest. Third GM, Mike Hill. As time passed, I learned more and more about CYL. CYL is the concept called cut your losses. Cutting your losses is really, really hard because it makes you feel like crap that you tried something that didn't work. And when you cut your losses, you're admitting to everybody that it didn't work. Grand opening. How about this as the number one, number one of CYL? I should do a top five list of CYLs. Number one, CNN Plus. Is there anything greater than that? Cut your loss. They announced CNN Plus. 
it launches, and after day one, they pull the damn plug. See you later. Done. That has to be the number one cut your loss. Do you know how much that hurts? People come to you and they give you the finances of it. That's what your CFO does. That's what your cabinet does. With baseball players, your cabinet is the GM, the AGM, maybe the head of player personnel, maybe the manager. They walk into the president's office. They don't go to the owner. Hell no, not yet. They got to get me to buy in first. Hey, we got to release this guy. We still owe him 8 million, 10 million, 12 million, 1 million, whatever the case is. We got to release him. He's not helping the team. He's making us lose. I'm sorry. Yeah. How about one more start? How about one more at bat just for gigs? What if he gets hot now? Play him. He just stinks. Gets lit up like a Christmas tree by Chevy Chase. They walk back in your office and they say, are you ready now? When you owe player money, players get paid every two weeks from April to September through September. When you release a player, you keep paying that player every two weeks, except that player doesn't come to work. And worse, if that player gets another job, you're still paying the player every two weeks. And the new team he's playing for pays him the prorated minimum, and you're paying the difference, which is the number one FU. Do you know the number of times that we got beaten by players we had released and were paying for? You want to talk about pain? When the owner, hey, how'd that feel? Dave, did you feel good paying that guy to shove it up our ass? Did that feel good to you? Feel good to watch that guy go yard? Who we couldn't fix? Get rid of everyone. Fire them all. I cannot describe to you the difficulty in knowing when is the right time to release the player. You asked about trading a player. Trading a player is different than releasing a player. When I trade a player, I get to meet the media and say, hey, this guy's good. We got someone back who's better. When you release a player, you have to meet the media and say, that guy sucked and we made the mistake of signing him. Trades, you don't have to do it. I love trades. I never thought about trades. Everybody's eligible to be traded. Feel free to be traded. Everyone's likely to be traded. Some are less likely than others. Find me a way that I'm better. Who wouldn't make a trade like that? We do it. Every team does it. Here's the crazy side note and the crazy secret about baseball. Is that everyone who thinks that it's just your team. My team is a minor league system for every other team. All we do is grow players and the minute they get good, we trade them away. My team's front office sucks so badly that we have this many released players and look at how good they are for other teams. 
News alert. Every team has that. I know it feels like they don't. It's like when the owner comes up to you after a game and says, get rid of the hitting coach. We can't get a runner in from third base with one out. They can't just make contact. Every time we have a runner on third base, we don't score. Every time our opponent has a runner on third base, our pitcher gives up a fly ball. Of course, it's total poppycock, and we'd show the statistics. Well, no. As a matter of fact, we're league average. We score about the amount of time you're supposed to score. We don't score the amount of time, amount that many people don't score, and we give it up the way other teams do. Why did I get on the subject of telling owners? I'm having a moment here, Coca, that is based on several things. Number one, I have zero water. Number two, I love this topic. I had things I wanted to talk about with trading and releasing players. And for whatever reason, I got sidetracked to thinking about all the times that we had to release a player and it came back to bite us. Oh, we're talking about the fact that all teams make these mistakes. And the trigger was, the trigger was that every time I would say, hey, it's not just us. The fans would say, no, no, it is. Look around. All my friends who love another team, they never talk about it. It like builds upon itself. So I would have to give examples. Little trade secret. I would ask the baseball department to supply me with lists. You know, I love lists. Love them. Don't have them anymore. I used to love them. I still have lists, but not these lists. The list would be, I want to know every player on a roster who's good, not an average player. I'm looking for an above average to all-star level player. Think David Ortiz, Minnesota Twins. David Ortiz, Hall of Famer David Ortiz was non-tendered by the Minnesota Twins, if I have that right, Coca. Therefore, the Twins did something that you as a fan would say, oh my God, you guys are idiots. You didn't realize how good he was. You let him go, or we let him go. We're the farm system, da, 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 da. I also keep a list of bad contracts that our players sign with other teams. It is so important to remind yourself time and time again that what you're doing with your players is going on in 29 other cities. The negotiation that takes place on a release, wait for it, zero. You pay the salary of the release player minus the prorated minimum, meaning if a player gets released on May 31st and signs with a new team on June 1st, the new team has to pay the player June, July, August, September. That's four to six months. That's two-thirds, two-thirds of the minimum. Everything else, you have to pay. There's nothing to negotiate. There's nothing to talk about. It is incredibly easy. Trading, way more difficult. Every trade document with a team is a separate agreement. There are no two that are alike. And no two negotiations are alike. You may do a trade where you're willing to pick up some of this player's salary, but not all. 
You may do a trade where you're willing to take on none of the salary or all of the salary. The negotiation that goes on is between GMs, presidents, and it relates to talent and money. The more money you're willing to pay, the more talent you're going to get. Money is what talks. You want to trade me a player and pay for him? I'm going to give you a better player back. You want to trade me a player and I got to pay for him? I'm not going to give you as much back. You go back and forth, back and forth. You come to an agreement. And then you hope the commissioner approves. So the way we decide when we're done on a trade is when either, like any deal you do with your friends, any trade you do, any barter, when both of you are equally unhappy, you say, all right, we're done here. We'll make the trade. It's strange in baseball because you only have 29 other teams you can talk to. Just 29 teams. You really can't be upset with other teams, even though we were very upset with plenty of other teams. But you got to work with them again. You can't ever say, like the Yankees never said, this is one of the biggest misconceptions. The Yankees never said, hey, we'll take Giancarlo Stanton. But we're not going to take all of him. Give us a number. When the Marlins traded Stanton to the Yankees, that's not how it goes. The Marlins were dealing with the no trade clause. This is after I was gone even though I knew they were going to unfortunately trade G. He was able to fully Bradley Beal it and tell the Marlins, this is where I will go. I want to play in LA. I want to play in New York. That's it. G, how about St. Louis? Nope. San Francisco, maybe, but no. New York, okay. The danger of giving a no trade clause is giving that amount of power to the player. So, the Marlins had two things they could do with G. They could say, hey, we, the Yankees don't want you. Sorry. You want to be a Marlin? Be a Marlin. But we got to trade you. You got to let us trade you to the Brewers, let's say. That would have been an amazing trade. Maybe. Better than the Yelich trade. They're smart people, though. But the negotiation comes when the team who knows that the player has a no-trade clause, who knows the player wants to come play for your team, you get to call the other team, in this case, the Yankees, get to call the Marlins and say, hey, we'll take him, but guess what? You're going to pay part of his salary, and we're still not going to give you anything in return. Ah, uh, come on. You got to make it look like you are. Put some players on the table. They may end up being good, the Yankees agreed to pay $30 million. No, strike that. four eight sixty nine. The Marlins agreed to pay $30 million of Stanton's contract over these coming years, which means every two weeks, the Marlins are sending money to the Yankees. The irony of that is not lost on me. The Yankees on their payroll do not have Stanton at 31 or 32 or 29. It's $10 million less from a cash standpoint. All negotiations for money going back and forth. It's just leverage. It's the same as all of your negotiations. The NFL has it way smarter. Coca, they're way better. You know how this works? 
It's great. Without guaranteed contracts, see you later. Bye. We don't want to pay anymore. I mean, you've got a cap hit. Very complicated cap hit. We're going to hire 10 people to figure out the salary cap. You got a cap hit. $10 million this year, $14 million next year. But if he doesn't come to the second workout after the third of the year, after Shabbat, then you don't have to pay him, but it's still a cap hit. What? Does anyone actually understand it? It's like hiring an IRS code specialist. Give me a break. Although the NFL Players Union is clearly not as strong as MLB Players Union because it's all about guaranteed contracts. You're seeing more in NFL right now, but only for the best of the best. In baseball, the mediocre of the mediocre get guaranteed deals. In basketball, they do too. Football, no, not so much. I think the NFLPA has some work to do. When it comes to players being released and paid, traded, paid, they don't care about trading. When you sign a contract, you're signing with the team, but it can be assigned. Wow, that's a strange way to think about it. You're actually able to assign a contract. That's why there's provisions. If you look at a contract that you have as an employee, you better look and make sure there's no assignment. When you work at Morgan Stanley in New York and you give them the assignment power in your contract, they could call you up and say, Dave, you're moving to London. We've assigned your contract. See you later. There's nothing you can do. It's what we do to players. We assign it. Yeah. Guess what? Tomorrow night, you're a pirate. Have fun. Enjoy Three Rivers. Is there anything more business than the assignment provision in contracts and sports? Not for me. I haven't thought about it that way before. All right, Coca. I think that's it. We're going to have to do more mailbags. We have so many more questions. But for now... It's just business. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.